You know, I know oftentimes for Father's Day, um, we will just share with you a message uh, focused on dads and focused on being a father and focuses on helping you understand the role that God gives you as a dad and the role of being an avenue of blessing that God can pass to your children. You know, I've sat through messages like that. I've given plenty of messages and I was just challenged by each one. But again, I thought this morning a different approach might be uh, just be beneficial for all of us. So I want to invite you, if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4. Uh, beginning in verse number one. I just want to look at the first four verses for a few moments this morning. Proverbs chapter four, beginning in verse number one. It says, listen, my son, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother, Then he taught me and said to me, take hold of my words with all your heart, keep my commands and you will live. And we'll just stop there for a moment. But if you look through uh, Proverbs chapter four and really the the next several Proverbs that follow it, it begins just to speak and reveal that the role of a father in our lives is an avenue that God desires to impart, not only just wisdom, but he desires to impart great wisdom into our lives that he desires to use it to speak into our life, to reveal into our lives, to reveal himself to us in a new way. And if you look forward in uh, in Proverbs, you'll see coming ahead in just Proverbs chapter chapter 5, chapter 6, and even chapter 7, begins to talk about the, the wisdom that we can learn from a father, both from our heavenly father and from our earthly father that, that God will impart wisdom through on just pr- very practical things in life and, and guidance and guidelines for life that will really set us on the right path and, and really hopefully help us avoid many of the pitfalls and snares that we can face in life without the proper wisdom or understanding. It goes on to say that it guides us through life choices and the dangerous things that are there and many of the things in life that we may not see as being dangerous at first that through a father's wisdom, God can use it to impart to us things that we would not see otherwise. And when I think about that, I think about my desire to the the first car I wanted to purchase. I had my heart set on a very specific type of car. At that time, my heart was set on a Honda CRV. You might not even remember what that is, but a Honda CRV. Got one person who remembers what a Honda CRV is, and I wanted them. But at the time, they just they were well beyond my budget of what I could get. And so, what I had was in my budget. I'd been saving for a couple of years. Um, I had two thousand dollars to work with, and so finally, when I found the uh, the Honda CRV on uh, it wasn't online. I was going to say online, not online. But I found it uh, just through on, in the newspaper or wherever, and I finally went to see it with my dad. You know, I, he told me, he said, Steve, I'm going to help you look this car over, but in the end, I want you to understand I'm going to be the final decision on this thing because I want to help you recognize uh, getting a good deal and getting something that's going to position you for, for the next several years in life. And so I go and we drive around, and this thing was a piece of junk. I mean, it was missing seats. It was missing parts. It was bad. Uh, but we're in, you know, I grew up in Alaska. We went and saw it, I think, in the winter or in the, in the late fall. And um, it didn't even have rear defrost. And in Alaska, there's a few things that you definitely need. One of them is rear defrost in a vehicle. And I remember driving it with my dad and just telling him, oh, dad, you know, that's fine. I'll just I, I'll find a way around it. I'm just trying to give him all these reasons why I, I wanted to get this car. And finally, we parked it. And 
I was trying to convince him, and even the, the individual wasn't willing to come down to the window I had. He was still priced a little bit over. And so I was really willing just to go above and beyond just to get my, my dream car. And uh, my dad just kept saying, Steve, I, I can't let you do this. I just, I can't let you do this. And uh, finally, we just declined. I was so mad. As I drove home, I was so mad at my dad for not letting me buy that car. I remember going home, going to my room, just shunning, turning away from him. And I remember laying on my bed and just angry. And he even came in later, and, uh, and he even was like, Steve, if I knew it mattered this much to you, you know, I would have let you get it. But, but he said in the end, I mean, that, that car was a piece of junk. And, uh, and then later, later, a few months or a few weeks later, I came across a different car, not a Honda CRV. It's a Nissan Pulsar. Anybody remember a Nissan Pulsar? The Nissan Pulsar, 1984 Nissan Pulsar. And it was a, it was a much better car, much nicer car. It ended up being a good car. And I got it for the price that I, that I had. And, and my dad guided me through that. And it was really a reminder that in the moment, I was caught up with what I wanted. But my dad saw the big picture of what was right. And what would ultimately benefit me long-term in life or even long-term in those times, what would be a better investment, what wouldn't be. And I think that's a very small picture in our lives of what our dads can do or what a father can do and be an avenue of imparting wisdom, both in practical and spiritual things in our lives that God can use. That God's desire is to use a dad to help us navigate through life. Um, and really, there are lessons to be learned from, from dads all across the board. If you look at your life, if you're a father here and you look at your role with your relationship with your, with your, your dad, you might look and you say, well, my dad was a great dad and he gave me great examples and great lessons that have really, I've taken and applied into my marriage, into my family, into my parenting. And for others, you might look and say, well, my dad was a lousy dad. My dad was a horrible dad. Or others, you might look and say, well, my dad was an absent dad. He wasn't there. But I think in all three of those scenarios, whether it be a good father, an absent father, or even a, a, a poor father, a poor fatherly figure, that in all three of those, God can use those scenarios to impart wisdom. I've had times in ministry where I've served just in different scenarios, and I, I'll see things done, and I will, in those cases, I'll recognize these are good examples to learn from, and I'll take certain things. And then I've also learned from some examples, I've looked and I've said, these are poor examples of ministry, and so I've taken from that, and I've said, I'm learning what not to do. And I think when it comes to fatherhood at times, whether it be from the good fathers, the absent fathers, or even the poor fathers, that they're across the board, there's, there's wisdom that we can learn. Now, we can learn from to recognize both in what we can do as a father, as well as what not to do in a father, that there are lessons to be learned in both. And so for all the dads here this morning, you might look at your life, and I look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1, listen, my son, to a father's instruction, to realize that the role you fill in your family, the role you fill in the life of your child, is an avenue that God wants to use to impart blessing, to impart wisdom, to impart life. I think for many dads here, you'd look at that role and, and you might look at all the ways that you've not done it well. I think sometimes when I go to bed at night and I'm laying there and your mind is kind of reviewing the day and reviewing the things, you, your mind generally tends to drift to the things that you're like, oh, I could have done that better. Ooh, I could have said that better. I could have done this better. But sometimes we'll do that in life as a dad and we'll fail to recognize the role and the places and the ways that God has used you in a very significant, in a very, in a very giving way. But if you look at your life and you'd recognize that you have not been a good father or perhaps you've been negligent in the role that God's given you as a dad, then there is no better day to start than now. To recognize that now God can give you the strength to begin a, a new turn in a new day now 
as a, as a father representing our heavenly father and the wisdom that he wants to impart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1, one more time. I've looked at it twice. It says, listen, my son, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. That listening to a father's instruction is an avenue for gaining insight and understanding. And what I thought to, as I looked at this passage and it talked about listening to a father's instruction and gaining understanding, I thought if there is great understanding to be gained from listening from one dad, how much more wisdom is there to gain from listening to several dads share and talk about fatherhood? So what I did this for this morning is over the last few weeks, I've just put in front of several of the different men in our congregation. I said, hey, I'd like to do this on, a, on Father's Day, have a roundtable discussion, just give you some questions, and we'll just kind of talk about them together. And I just invite as many of them as um, would join me. And many were out of town. Um, others were had just different commitments, life commitments that, that comes with being a dad and just being a husband and in life. But three of the men replied back and said, I'd be willing to join you. And so I'm very grateful uh, for these who have, jo- who have willingly said to join me. So I'm going to invite Abel Bennett, Mike Manahan, and Chris Devlin to come. And they're going to join me on stage. And we're just going to talk a little bit about fatherhood this morning. So as they come, why don't you welcome them? Mike, welcome. Happy Father's Day to you. Chris, welcome and happy Father's Day. And here comes Abel. So men, just grab a seat. And Abel, welcome and happy Father's Day. Well, I thought the best way that we could get started uh, this morning is first to have you um, introduce yourself and, and perhaps you could introduce uh, yourself, how many kids you're a father of, and if you're a grandparent, maybe the age range of your kids, and I think that could just be a good starting point for us to begin our conversation, our time together. Uh, Mike Manahan, I have three adult children and four uh, grandkids. Uh, from the range of, uh, Georgina has to correct me on this later, uh, I think eight weeks to four years Okay. on the grandkids. Uh, my name is Chris Devlin. Uh, I have three daughters and ten grandchildren from 16 to 7 approximately. My name is Abel Bennett. I have three daughters, 16, 18, and 20. Well, thank you, Ish, uh, for just being willing to uh, just be a part of this discussion. And uh, I know I gave you the questions ahead of time, but um, i just love to just talk about these some. When you, when you think about fatherhood and the role of fatherhood or being a father at home with the life, really your, your kids, or even now in both of your cases as grandparents, there's still a fatherly role that you fill in that. How, do you, how would you define the role of a father at home? So for, for me, I, I would say... We need to be like God the Father. We need to, you know, Jesus Christ is our best example of how God thinks and how God moves and what he does. So I think, I think we're called to be the spiritual leaders of our home in the way in which God the Father shows us. He provides. He disciplines. He gives us the high moral standard. Uh, he leads us. Uh, he, 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 he does all of these things that we're supposed to be doing as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. You know, the best husband is a good Christian. You know, if you want to be a good husband, just be a good Christian. If you want to be a good father, be like Jesus Christ. So I think that's what we're supposed to do. And I would just add and give these guys time to answer. 
I would just add that I think manhood's under attack in our society. We need to resist that, right? So you see in sitcoms, you see in the news media, um, men are just, they're, they're sort of like, they're shown to be kind of stupid, and somehow the women come up with the right thing and all this kind of thing. And that's great for the women. I'm not saying that that shouldn't happen. But, but we need to, I think, overcome that uh, by being heroes in our own homes. That's really good. That's really good. Amen to that. He said it all. <laughs> that, that was really good. And, um, and just recognizing, I think what you said is, rec- is representing our Heavenly Father well. doesn't mean we're perfect. doesn't mean we get it perfect. But I think really recognizing the grace that he demonstrates to us and the grace that we can demonstrate in our home. So for all three of you, as, um, as a dad, are there any specific verses or two um, that perhaps have challenged you or even shaped you specifically in how you relate to your children? Um, I had one um, as a, it was, it's more of a life uh, a verse than a, than a specific father verse, but it uh, easily applies to it. Um, Colossians 3.23, um, in everything that you do, do it to the best of your ability and towards God. Um, so as I as I approach life, um, fatherhood is a part of life, and I always try to do it to the best of my ability. But then there's the added, the added comma at the end of that verse, as towards God. And so it's not just how good I think I'm doing, but it's what God thinks. Right. That's good. Amen. That's, uh, I think uh, that, uh, like Mike said earlier, if you're a good Christian, if you're following God to the best of your ability... Uh, that kind of puts everything in, in line. And Abel said, uh, you know, doing it unto the Lord and not unto men. So our tendency is to try to please others. But uh, when we seek to please God, we'll find that we please the only one that really matters, really counts. That's good. I guess my scripture for me would be train up a child in the way that he must go, should go and he will not depart far from it. I mean, in our own lives... We've actually seen that happen. Kid, you know, it's not a smooth path. Kids make some mistakes, right? So you've right. got to love them through it. Um, but it doesn't say take your kids to the Bible instructors on Sunday and they will train them up, right? So what I think is happening uh, in the Christian world is some parents are, are saying, well, church is supposed to do that, you know? And, and that's a huge mistake. Uh, I, I, as a parent, you know, I mean, basically... If I don't do fatherhood right, and now grandfatherhood right, um, what assignment's God going to give me if my kids end up in hell? I mean, you know, seriously. Mm-hmm. And and so I got to I got to do that right. I, I, and I got to man up and take responsibility. I better be standing before the king saying, "Okay, they're coming in too." You know, you, I mean, you saved them and everything, right. but but I tried to do what you told me to do to get them in the right position. So I think that's really what it is, and I think we need to train up our kids. So we better be doing prayer time and word study at home, and then we better be giving that to the kids. And I can remember, uh, I think, uh, Georgina always corrects me on this stuff, but I think it was just about age two we read the Bible every night to the kids with those little kid Bibles. It just begins early, right? Mm-hmm. And you just, you just sort of have to just keep that going all the way through. That's really good. Yeah. That's really good. I know for us, just to, to add to that, for us in our home, um, that part of what you just said about just keeping God's word in front of them and 
helping our children recognize how much we value the presence of God in our lives and in everything that we do, and that He's central, that uh, He's central to the family, He's central to our lives, He's central to everything we do. Um, we have worked to, and it's, it's, it's a challenge, but we've worked to continually help our children's minds be shaped by God's Word, to let their identity be shaped by God's Word, to um, we'll start their day with a verse, and we'll just keep working on that verse until that one's memorized, and we'll move to another one, and we'll just revisit them from time to time. And I think the key verses that we've used with our, with our kids, um, there's three of them that we've looked at, and there's other ones, but three that we've taught all of our children. One is Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Uh, the second one is First John 4, 4, greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. And the third one is Romans eight thirty one. It says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And then, and we kind of summarize those with the, with the phrase that there's, that nothing will rule my life but Jesus. Or a different way we'll say it is that nothing is bigger than Jesus. And that it's a reminder that there's absolutely nothing that our sons or our daughters will encounter in life that is bigger than the authority and presence of Jesus in their lives. And that whatever they face, that it, has to, that it goes through that. But then the challenges, and Mike, this goes with what you're sharing. It's not just teaching them that. It's modeling that. It's modeling that for me and even for my wife that we model that. So when a challenge comes, when a hardship comes, when an obstacle comes, that we say, okay, if I've taught my children that nothing's bigger than Jesus, then, then I make sure that that becomes the life that I live in front of them as well. So I know that's been that, um, that for us. So... When it comes to the role of fatherhood and, and the role that you feel at home, um, are you willing to share, any of you willing to share what your relationship with your dad was like and how that shaped you as a, as in the role of fatherhood today? Um, uh, my family growing up was, uh, it was all about family, um, not just my, my brothers and I or, or my parents, but it was... Um, a lot of the extended family, and so, uh, like, we would, any, any reason to get together, on either side of the family would get together, and so we, like, Christmases were, like, 60 people, and um, Thanksgiving was on the other side of the family, and we'd have these big family stuff, so it was always family, we were always doing stuff with family, family-oriented, of just being uh, a family, and it, I guess it taught me um, uh, not just uh, like you have your friends, but this was dealing with family all the time. And as you live with your family, they tend to grate on you in certain ways, and you had to learn how to deal with this. And so uh, as we were always doing stuff with family, it was um, it was just that learning experience. And I guess as I became a parent, um, I, I wanted to... Uh, instill that to my children also, but we, we moved, and so we're far, farther away, but any chance we can get, we try to go be with family, and just to get that um, more than just us, the, the bigger family experience. Yeah, my father was very similar. We, I grew up in a family of six, and uh, my father was very uh, much committed to us as children, making sure we had everything, and uh, when I look back, it was just an amazing life of sacrifice uh, that he that he imparted to to us, and so that that just gives you a model. There's one thing for someone to say it, but when you see it modeled, as Mike was saying earlier, um, you really get it. I wish I was you guys, but I, my 
My parents are al were, were alcoholics. They're both deceased now. And uh, if you know the term, if you've ever been exposed to it, you know what the term nasty drunk means. That's what my parents were. And so I was verbally abused, and so I had a very bad experience in that regard. My dad was an honest man. You know, he's, he, was a, he was a churchgoer, not a spiritually saved you know, uh, guy. And so uh, people hear, you know, and say, oh, that's such a sad... Well, no, it's phenomenal. Uh, well, first of all, compared to the prison guys <laughs> that I know at Rockview... I had a cakewalk. And I, can I mention this, too? <laughs> yeah. You function as a chaplain at Rockview. Yes. Correct. Yeah, so just to help chaplain. fill in that. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, and so, so what ended up happening is one day uh, after I got saved, God got a hold of me, and he said, yeah, you know, all the stuff went on. I understand it. I was there. I loved you all those times, all those moments. You know? So I understand. I, I, from that experience, I understood God's love in a really deep way that he was just this incredible father, you know, preparing my heart to become saved and, and moving me into the right thing. So I, I had opposite effects. So I rebounded off of all these negatives into positives. My parents didn't come to my very much, maybe one sports event, my whole, my whole high school career, you know, and so on and so forth. Never came to a single college game, all this kind of stuff. So, and, and, and so what I did was the opposite, right? So I knew what was not good not to happen. I went to every one of my sp kids' sports games. I went to every one of their functions. I mean, like, you know, we, we did stuff all the time with the kids. God got a hold of me in prayer one day when Jen was about six months, and, he, and, and you know, I really, I, I love my career. I'm one of the few people that's very blessed that I actually like what I do. And so it's hard for me to go home at night because I'm having so much fun with breaking things and doing technology and stuff. And so God said, go home and have dinner with your kids. Sir, yes, sir. So, you know, uh, from six months on, I went home, played with the kids from six till nine, and gave Georgina a little bit of a break. And so all those things, you know, that my parents didn't do were actually a learning experience. And that's the awesome thing about God is he takes all these negatives, sin and this debauchery and human depravity, and he brings good out of it. No, no, hmm. no other God on the, on the earth does that. Buddha can't do that. Allah can't do that. Only the living God can do that. So. That's really good. That's good. You know, when you talk about being able to just, you enjoy your job destroying things, probably just to clarify a little bit. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Mike, guys. Mike um, started a company uh, that you're, companies hire you to test products. Yeah. And so I know yeah, we, we, one of the times we were talking that you were testing the durability of black boxes on trains, correct? Yes. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah, we smash them at... Throwing uh, them hundreds of feet. 1,500 like Gs, and, you know, right. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does so sound we, like fun. They pay me money and I break their stuff. You know, that's basically what it boils down to. Right. So, so just, so, again, a little bit of a <laughs> clarification because we've talked and we know, but yeah. bringing others in on the loop. So um, let me ask you this for all three of you. And we've touched on this a little bit in the things we've been talking about, but when it comes to you um, as a father and you think about your children or in your case, your grandchildren, but... Um, and Abel, I know that you have one daughter who's in college, a second one who's getting ready to leave for college, and you have one more still at home. Um, for each one of you, are there any, um, what are some of the ways or strategies that you've used to both challenge and stretch your children to be more, to do more, whether it be spiritually uh, as well as in life? Kind of just something that pushes them along. Um. Growing up, we did not have a TV, and so we were always listening to the radio. And one of the radio shows was Focus on the Family. And uh, the, the, main, the host had often said, and you had said recently, um, he had said over and over again, um, values are caught, not taught. 
Um, and this was something that I guess growing up I didn't didn't really I'm like yeah I understand that. But as a parent, um, as as somebody had said, um, we have to model those things. And so if I'm not doing it, the kid is not likely going to be doing it also. So as I've tried to be a parent to my children, I try to model that so that they can catch catch what I believe and catch. Um, uh, God's truth, um, because teaching it may not always sink in, but seeing a parent do it is something else. That's really good. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things that we did early that was good was um, encourage our daughters to go on mission trips to see the world, to to realize that uh, the whole world is not like us. You know, they're not worried about uh, what's on TV or if their smartphone or computer is not working. So at a very early age, in their early teens, our girls got to go on mission trips for one to two months to places like India, Thailand, uh, Ghana, Botswana, a lot of places real far away, and spend a month or two. And they, they came back different when they saw the world uh, through, you know, things of the world that uh, you don't see here in the U.S. So just to care for others and, um, you know, be others motivated. So can I ask you along the lines of that answer for you and for Wendy, um, were, were there times where did you help identify the place they were going or did they come to you and say, this is where I'd like to go? Uh, yeah, the, the organization, it's, it was a lot like YWAM. The organization that they went with isn't in existence anymore, but they, this uh, mission organization had certain countries that they had arranged to send teams to. And they shared the gospel through drama, you know, realizing language would be a barrier. Uh, so they came to us, and, uh, yeah, it was pretty much what they felt the, the place they wanted to go. But it, it's a little different than it is now because there's not ISIS and a lot of the real dangerous things that um, are going on now. It was a little easier back in the 80s, early 90s, but, uh, yeah, they, they pretty much picked okay. where to go. Yeah. So was it was there ever a time for you and for Wendy that it was a challenge? Like they'd come to you and say, I want to go to this place, and you're like... Okay, let's yeah, pray about yeah. that. India and Thailand, yeah, it's okay. pretty far away. You're sure? Yeah. Sure. Well, that, that's, a, and that's exciting. It's exciting that you'd push them um, to do that. So. They, they really enjoy it to this day. They really just speak about it as being life-changing. Mm. Um, so let me ask you this, uh, men, as you're just sharing about your role of fatherhood uh, with your children. Are there any, I don't know if you could say tips or secrets, but maybe those are the two Things, any tips or secrets that you look at in your life that you've, I don't say perfected, but you've learned to implement them to help you try to balance the role between the stress and challenges of life and work and everything else, as well as the um, the challenges of just being home and being present and, and being a father? Yeah, I think it's, let's face reality, we have this inverted situation where when you're young and your family's young, your income's the lowest it's ever going to be. And then it's almost as if you could get your employer to pay you your end of life, you know, before retirement money up front. It would balance everything out a whole lot better. So, so what do you got? you got? You got stress. You got stress at work. Whatever your career is, your job is, you're into it early in your life. Your, your kids have their, you know, the highest needs, you know, at that time. We always used to say when you have one, it's one, and then when you have two, it's exponential. It doesn't double. It's like this huge rise in confusion and chaos, you know. And so you, I think at some point you just have to uh, sort of say, okay, uh, 
this is something God gave me to do. If I don't do this right, I'm not going to get to do anything else in God's kingdom. I've got to get it right. And that translates into different things for different people. For me, I had a discipline. I had to watch my watch, you know, and go home at dinner time, you know. But for other people, it's different things, you know. And, but I think that's what we, we, we need to do. And the, and the other thing we did, partly to your previous question, is we also try to understand the kids' um, abilities and put the bar higher but not... De- in a demoralized, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like if your kids are good at something, you need to encourage them to to set that bar a little bit high. So the thing that you don't want to do is you're, if your if your kids really are, are really not good at sports, to set uh, you know vicariously living your sports dreams. Don't do that because you'll demoralize them. But if they're good, you know, I, 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 we don't set the bar low. You want to really ha- help them to drive upward to what they're really trying, what God's given them that they can That's do. That's really good. That's really good. Um, so when it comes to you as a father and in the lives of your children, um, or even in the lives of your grandchildren, but able as a father, um, is there anything that you try to intentionally model or pass along to your children? Be a couple of things that you've thought through and you said, as a father, this is one or two things that I want to really model for my children well so they get it. Well, for us, it's prayer. You know, I, you know the main mission was prayer and Bible study, on a daily basis. It's been lost kind of in our modern Christian church today. It's not a lot of Christians do that, and I think it's critical. So we always try to do that, and even, even prayer at meals. So we, we always tell the kids, only barnyard animals don't pray before they eat their food, you know? So today you go to that. anyone. Seriously. So, and, and I always pray before I eat. I thank God for my food. And, you know, you go to their house today. Whether I'm there or not makes no difference. You're going to be praying. You know, Mike or, you know, Jen or Ricky's, they're going to say, hey, let's pray before we eat, you know? And it doesn't matter who's visiting with them, you know? So stuff, prayer and Bible study, I guess, is the main thing. That's good. That's really good. My father always included uh, my brothers and I in anything that he did it. Whatever he was doing, he whether working on the car or digging fence posts or anything, we were out there helping him. Um, and I've tried to do that same thing with my with my kids. Um, um, we don't dig fence posts anymore, but I do have to run to the store to go get something. And I'll, I always purposely try to invite a child along with me, um, just to talk to them. Um, hey, how was how was how's your life going? Um, I always try to do that. However, as they are children, sometimes I get that one-word answer that doesn't really mean anything. But it's something that I try to do to, you know, just to just to uh, meet with them and just to just have not necessarily time alone with them, but specific time that hey, I'm including you with what I'm doing, and we can talk about life. That's really good. That's good. Yeah, we would, uh, or I, I thought modeling a marriage was important to my kids for my daughters to see. And so no matter how important they are, which is, you know, obviously very important, I always set my spouse a little bit higher that our relationship comes first. So we had a date night. We, had, we did things together. And, and uh, I, I found probably this out a little bit later than I would have wanted to. <laughs> to really live it more and intensely is that if you can't love your spouse who you can see, how can you say you love God? Because that first John where it says, uh, the person that says they love God but hates their brother is a liar. And so when you start to see your spouse as Jesus in your home, it really changes things. That's really good. 
That's really good. And I think um, just for, for me, I've been kind of along those lines, and I think what you both shared has been is excellent, but I think for me the one thing I've thought about modeling for my kids is what you just shared is about how, how a godly husband is to relate to a wife. And I've wanted, uh, for my, my sons, I've wanted them to see what it, what it looks like to treat a woman with respect and love and honor and dignity. And for my girls, I've wanted them to, uh, I've wanted to model for them what it means to be affectionate to your wife, to love your wife, to, to continue to, I think they use the word court your wife or date your wife, but just to continue to love them so that when they both step into marriages, whether it be sons or daughters, stepping into their marriages, that they've had something that they can impart. Not done perfectly, but, but I could be able to say, boy, God, I've done my best to present this to you as a gift into their lives. So, so let me shift just a little bit, a couple more questions to look at. Um, when you look at your role as dads, what would you say has been your greatest struggle or maybe your greatest regret? I, I can say mine. I know what that is. <laughs> I, was, um, I, I, would consider, I would classify myself as being for my kids at a certain time in their lives as dial-a-verse. They had a problem. I had a verse. That was it. No discussion. So my, my youngest daughter came to me at one point and said, well, Dad, I, I really don't want a verse right now. I want you to talk. I want to, I want to be listened to. So I learned that a little too late, I'm afraid, but not too late, but, uh, to listen to them and not just be, you know, spout a Bible verse for every situation. That's good. Dial a verse. I like that. Yeah, that's, I like that. <laughs> It's like a little Rolodex or something. <laughs> so... Well, the challenge for me has always been time management, right? Because I have a high-level professional career, so I've got to make sure. And I believe that this whole concept of quality time is, is not appropriate. Not that you don't want to have low-quality time, but I think you have quantity time is important. So my kids, you know, I'm at, I even got to go to Mike, all Mike Jr.'s college soccer games, except one, which was a 20-hour ride. So my kids will never look back and say, we weren't involved, okay? Mm -hmm. And I think when you're heavily, heavily involved and giving them a lot of time, like, you know, with travel soccer teams, it was every weekend away and stuff like this, I think they look at that. You you, you get a tremendous amount of latitude for your mistakes, right? Because, you know, you make a little parenting mistake. You're too hard on this, and you don't let them do that, and it's really like with the car with your dad, you know. I think he handled it very well, by, by the way. But, you know, but, but, it, yeah. but you get those things, right, as a father. And I think if, if they got quantity time, it just dilutes any mistakes you made. Mm -hmm. The problem is is when you're not really putting the time in and you come in hard and it's on something that you shouldn't have been hard. You know, that's mm -hmm. when, you, that's when the, the heavy hits uh, occur. That's good. So kind of right along those lines with what you've shared, um, I, when you look at some of the mistakes you've made, was there any one or two that stood out to you to make you think uh, that, that kind of became a lesson for you, that you in that moment after you handled it? Sometimes looking back, we see it and we can learn, oh, I should have done this differently. But in that moment, that it became a bit of a lesson for you that, that maybe shaped a little bit how you continue to father. Um, growing up, my brothers and I, we would... We'd talk amongst ourselves, but we would ask our mom every once in a while, does dad take grumpy pills? <laughs> and we, we always thought it was funny, and we joked about it. But as a parent, I, I, didn't, I didn't get why he was grumpy until I became a parent. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, 
that, that's something that I've struggled, you know, I realize, and how, how do I deal with that, of taking the, we had said it before, the stresses of work, of stresses of life, too, and how to not, not bring them home, and, and, you know, the kid says something, and you lash out at them, um, so that's something that I, I struggle with, and I'm, I'm uh, hopefully more than just me, um, and, my, and my dad, but um, I try not to take my grumpy pills. Yeah, I think along those lines, I think as you get older, you probably get better. And the great irony of life is, is you live all these years, and you actually learn how to live, and then you die. It's like, what a waste that was, you know. But anyway, but that's, what we're, that's, what we're, that's what we're doing, right? Uh, so anyways, um, yeah, so for me, it's kind of, kind of like what Abel said, the, the, um, ro- the Rolodex, right? We tend to react humanly to bad choices our kids make. And... One time, I, it really went well, and I'll tell you what it was. And I, I look back and I think, did I miss the Holy Spirit more than, than I should have? And I think I did. But one time, Mike, Mike Jr. was not a rebellious guy, but he did make a couple of bad decisions in the high school range. And he had this not-a-good-girlfriend choice, and he, was, he, he stopped his prayer time. I mean, from four years old, he was doing a daily prayer time, you know. He kind of stopped his prayer time, and he was just kind of going a little bit of a bad direction. And uh, one morning, I remember, I was sitting there eating breakfast, and I'm, like, re- kind of steaming, you know, and this girlfriend's a mess, you know, and he's just, I just wanted to tell him, would you please just go do this, you know, what I, what, what I thought was right. And all of a sudden, I'm just kind of praying, and he's down in the basement and getting ready for school and stuff, and the Holy Spirit literally, dramatically moved. I mean, it was the absolute presence of the Spirit. He came up the stairs, and all I said to him was, Mike, you know what one of the main things I really admire about you? And he goes, no, what is it, Dad? I said, it's your daily quiet time, which he wasn't doing. (laughs) I didn't know why I said that, but within a week, he was back into it, and eventually this girlfriend was gone, you know. So I think think that's the thing is to maybe a little restraint (laughs) for our human thoughts and a little more spirit would be a really good strategy. That's good. And when you do something like that, Mike, if you hadn't been successful, you'd have gotten all over his case to... To go then and ask forgiveness is really powerful. You know, we hesitate. We think it's real. You're real strong if you never have to say you're sorry. But it really takes a lot to ask forgiveness from your wife or your kids. But it's so powerful, and they're so ready to forgive you if you really, if you really mean it. That's good. So let me ask you just a couple more questions. As to your your biggest regret, or you look back, you're struggle. But what about your your highlight, your greatest moment that you look back as a dad? Well, for me, it was our 25th wedding anniversary. The kids put together about a 30-minute, 20-minute tape, which knocked us off onto the floor. Uh, Georgina was crying. I haven't cried since 1979 when my dog died, so, you know, I don't cry. But, but it was, she was really hit. And, I, you know, I, I mean, it doesn't mean I wasn't emotionally impacted. I just don't cry. I think I lost some connection up there anyway. But, so, but what happened was, you know, as a, as a parent... You know, you're going through the stuff. You're in the trench. You know, eight, there at that time, they were like 20 years. You're like 20 years in the trenches. You're just, you know, daily doing what you think you're supposed to be doing. No, you never get thanks. It's a thankless job. Let's just face reality. And this one time, you, only, you probably only ever get one, right? Maybe you don't get any, but I got one. And they, and they went back. 
and they, they, they played tapes with them talking and said, remember the time you did this for us, mom and dad, and this is what it did for our lives. And, then, and they went really far back, and they went through all of these things where we did something, made a decision, did a family vacation, whatever it was, and they recounted. It was like, oh, my gosh, it really, there was traction. You know, they really did get the, the love. They really did get it. And that's all we've ever heard from them. But that, that was awesome, that one time, right? Yeah. I have two. Um, one, my third daughter, when she was being born, the doctor didn't make it to the room in time. And so the nurse turned to me and said, hey, you have to help this. And that, I'll say, one, I had two, two kids already, so I kind of knew what to do. But that was, I don't know, it was one thing that, hey, I'm a parent, but this one here was actually helping giving birth. And that was awesome. A really awesome experience. I had to do all, all the doctor stuff. Here, you do this, do this. Clamp here. It was fun. Um, the other Were one, you giving the instructions or taking them? I was definitely taking them. Okay. <laughs> I, I learned kidding. that by then. Um, the other one was uh, the two... We were driving home from church, actually, and uh, my wife and I made a joke, and we were going back and forth, making more jokes on the previous joke, and I hear the middle kid say to the oldest one, in a whisper, do you think they know what they're saying? <laughs> and the oldest kid said, they have been doing that a while. And I guess um, that, w- that moment when they understand jokes, I mean, it's not like, hey, they're, they're self-aware, but they can get jokes. That just, uh, I don't know, that just makes me, uh, made me proud. Like, hey, they're, they're not just kids. I mean, they're, they're still kids, but they get stuff now. And, mm-hmm. and that moment when they can put words with a joke, that means then they understand that, but they can understand other things too. I mean, spiritually they can get, well, what, it, what, what is God? Uh, what is Jesus? What did he do for me? But also, I, I like jokes, and once they get them... Good stuff. It's good stuff. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, my uh, high five moments were probably my daughter's weddings, because they all, as my wife and I have been praying their whole life, that they marry godly husbands, and that was kind of a um, pinnacle, each wedding. Yeah. So final question for you. With, there's a point where your kids are looking back on life and looking back and thinking about you. Uh, is there one thing that you wanted to leave as a life-forming memory for your children? Um, what would that be? I guess for me it would be he, he walked in the way God directed him. Because no worldly success matters. It's just, did you, did you follow the Lord or not? You know, that's really what it all boils down to. That's good. Um, mine uh, is uh, find joy in God because we're in a fallen world and we can only find true joy in him. Uh, I always try to have fun in what I'm doing. And it's not just the fun of life, but it's the there's a difference between fun and the joy that God brings. Um, and if you follow him, it's that joy that comes into your heart and it comes out as, hey, I'm having fun with life. I'm, I'm, it, no matter my circumstances, I still have that joy inside of me. That's and really that's good. what I hope they have. That's good. For me, it's that they, they, I put God first in everything, and, and that's probably the most important. Um, don't really have any great things I want to, um, them to think of. Uh, one 
uh, singer-songwriter said once, if, you, if your ambition is to leave a legacy, you're going to leave a legacy of ambition. That's really not what I want to leave. I'm just, just somebody that, that sought God with all their heart. I know not perfectly, but kept coming back. That's good. So before I have you rejoin your families, uh, any final advice? Any parting advice? I had one. Um, as my kids grew up, um, it, they, they were girls, and I grew up with all boys, well, all brothers, and I didn't quite get it all the time, but um, I always tried to find something that I could do with them that they liked. And for one, they liked playing with Barbies. I did not like playing with Barbies. Um, but then on one Father's Day, my wife got me the original G.I. Joe guy, not the four-inch ones, the 12-inch G.I. Joe guy. And suddenly, playing Barbies was fun. <laughs> um, but it, and that's been something I've tried to do throughout their life because Barbies only last so long. Um, I've always tried to find something that they like to do that I don't mind, and so that I'm involved with them. Um, often it was, hey, let's build Legos, because I, I like building Legos, and so we would build stuff. You've got to get the girl castles. But, um, but anything that they like to do, I tried to do with them. That's good. That's good. Yeah, to the uh, young, young, fam- young parents, uh, it seems like it's going to go on forever, but it really does go pretty fast. And then you get to be a grandpa. And that is awesome because what we do is we get them, we have a blast, and then we give them back at night, and we get to go to sleep. <laughs> it's awesome. That's funny. That is funny. Well, men, thank you. Thank you for opening your heart, your lives, just for sharing. I've really enjoyed this, and I know with what you've shared, it, I know it's challenged me, and I know it's been beneficial for those uh, who've listened. So I'm going to let you slip back to join your families. Let's give them a hand just for being willing to share. You know, as, as Abel gave the final advice, and I'm really very grateful for each thing each of the men shared, but he said um, just having all daughters, he said he grew up with brothers and then having all daughters, that it was all Barbies and toys and things and uh, girl toys and just hard to relate. And I, told, and I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, man, I could relate to that for a first good season of my life. And um, there were times when we had just my girls would be driving to church or driving somewhere, and I would crack a joke, and it's like dead silence, and I'm the only one laughing. And I remember telling him, I'm like, if there was another guy in this car, he would be laughing. <laughs> now there's four guys in the car, and sometimes we'll be laughing, and the girls are like, oh, my goodness, these guys. So, but very blessed, very blessed. I'm going to invite you to stand with me uh, as we prepare to close.